Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues his series entitled Jailbreak. In this message, we explore the struggle that so many of us have with condemnation. Brandon encourages us that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant it. It is time for us to move beyond our past and start living in the freedom Jesus has promised us. Morning, church. How's everybody doing? Woohoo! Man, excited to be here. Anybody watch a little college football yesterday? Awesome stuff, man. So glad college football is back. Yeah, we're, and we're, we, are, we are actually going to gator ourselves, and, uh, but we're going to get after them aggressively. That's what we used to have to say in high school. We couldn't say the other part of that that many of you know. So we're going to get after them aggressively starting September the 18th. It's going to be four weeks where we're just going to talk about how we go out and, and minister to those in the community. It's going to be an awesome time. Um, and just really looking forward to that. We're going to be looking at that mostly out of the, the chapter uh, 8 of Acts. And so looking forward to that uh, opportunity to share with you. Um, real quick, before we jump in, I do want to mention a couple of things. Again, is the uh, Hearts Matter Women's Conference. It, listen, ladies, if you haven't got a ticket for that, um, do that after the service. And, and, and make sure you get one. It's $10. Um, it's going to be an awesome day from 9 to 3 on September 17th. Uh, it's, it's just going to be great. It's going to be one of those things that I believe we'll walk away from and, and just really um, looking at lives that have been changed. Not just our church. This is a community thing. we got people coming from all over different churches, different places, who are going to be a part of this. It's, it's really not even just a connection church thing. The ladies who are leading it are from our church, but this is, this is something they're doing just to try to um, touch and change the hearts of women. Um, and so come be a part of that, September 17th from 9 to 3. The other thing is I want to mention again the, the October 1st outreach that we're doing. It's going to be a part of our GATA series. We're actually going to have an opportunity to go out and, and put uh, a tangible expression uh, to what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks at that point. Uh, that's going to be on a Saturday. We're going to go out. We're going to do whatever we can find that needs to be done in the community. And I'm really praying that, man, we would see four or 500 people go out in the community that day. Can you imagine if we were able to put maybe 3,000 hours into this community, showing them the love of Christ. How amazing would that be? It'd be absolutely awesome. And so um, I really want to encourage you to be a part of that. You'll be able to start signing up for the areas you'd like to work in uh, and serve in on that day. Um, that'll be starting next Sunday, September the 11th. You'll be able to sign up for those. Today we're going to continue um, our jailbreak series. And um, I've had fun with this series. I, I hope you have. Um, you know, it, it's been good. It started out with the, the message about um, basically how I messed up and need Jesus. And uh, we took those five things I talked about that day and we've been breaking them down. Um, today is another one that I feel like is huge. All of these things, I've, I, I, honestly, I have felt like have been things that we all struggle with. And the one we're going to look at today is condemnation and self-condemnation. We're going to be looking at condemnation. How do we escape this and, and how do we get beyond it? Um, I've, I've tried to be transparent with my own issues with condemnation. I've tried to share with you the fact that, like, look, look I know I'm not perfect. I know I, I've got my own struggles. I know, listen, I know um, probably for me it's harder to see myself as justified uh, by Christ and, and made right by Christ more so than for me to become like, oh, well, I got everything figured out. Because most of the time, to be perfectly honest, I, I, I walk um, a fine line in condemnation because I, I realize my own issues. Um, and so this is something that I've, I've lived out. I want to tell you, this message has helped me. 
Okay, and and I love when 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 I look at the message, and I go, has, does this does this affect me? And if it affects me, I know that it can affect you. And if we'll do um, what we're going to get to into this message, I believe we can walk free of condemnation. And condemnation being just that feeling that, that we're unacceptable, that we're not worthy. Listen, there are times when when I, I fight against condemnation as a father, I fight against condemnation as a husband, I fight against condemnation as um, as a follower of Christ, I fight against condemnation as a pastor. There there are many many, many ways that we get attacked by this. And I realize this, if we can't overcome condemnation, we'll never become everything that God intends for us to be. Satan loves to use um, our past to rob us of our present and our future. And this is the way I'm looking at it today, guys. Listen, listen, if you're here, it's Labor Day. You're either broke or you really love Jesus. Probably both. And so listen, this is the thing I say. I stayed up too late watching football. I had a long week. It's Labor Day weekend. I just say we're already here. We might as well just punch him right dead in the mouth today, right? We might as well just get after it and realize like we're here. Let's do something incredible for God. Let's, let's see God do something awesome in this place today because I know there are people here today who are walking in condemnation, who you're walking in that self-condemnation that you can't seem to break free of. And so we're going to talk about that today. Why don't we pray? God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to live in freedom because of you. Today, God, I pray for a spiritual awakening in our hearts God, I pray um, for people here today who, who don't know you. God, who, who just don't know you, who, who've never heard you speak to them and awaken them. God, I pray that they would hear your voice today. I realize, God, we can't do this, God, but we ask you to do it. Lord, I pray for those in here today who need to be refreshed, who's, who, who, who just feel weak, who feel worn out, who feel tired, who feel drained. And God, I pray that you would refresh us today. We'd walk out of here in the freedom that you've given us, and we would continue to live every day in the freedom you give us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's been um, really a quite of a long week for us. Um, many of you know, and you, you've seen either something on Facebook, you've seen something on um, our blog, you've seen something about my, my father, my dad, um, this week after five years of fighting to try to keep his leg from a motorcycle wreck, he actually ended up having his leg amputated on Tuesday. Um, they actually took it off about mid-thigh. And so it's been a long week. Tuesday was rough. Um, but the cool thing about it was I was getting texts. I was getting all these emails and different things just saying, hey, we're praying for you guys. My dad was in excruciating pain. Um, but, but I believe this in my heart that the worst is behind him. And that now he's going to begin to move forward with a new life. And so it's been a long week, man. It's been one of those things where I just feel drained, just feel kind of emotionally sapped. Um, it's one of those Sundays where if I wasn't the pastor, um, I might have come in late. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just one of those Sundays. And just to be perfectly honest, and I realize like that many of you are in that place today, and my heart truly is today, that we would be refreshed, that again, we would see the glory of God and the riches of Christ that he has offered us. And that we break free of condemnation. That we break free of carrying the weight of sin on our lives because we realize that Jesus carried it for us. That's an awesome thing. But here's the thing I realize. There are people in here today, many people in here today, that much of your life has been defined 
by moment. Much of who you see yourself as, much of, of, of your identity is defined by a moment. And if not one moment, maybe a few snapshots. Some of you right now are, are, are struggling and fighting because of things that happened last night. I just know. I mean, there's just too many people in here. You walked in here today with a weight on your shoulders because of things that have happened last night, last week, last year, last month, a decade ago. And moments can tend to define us. Think about it, how how a moment can define us. One moment at Fernandina, Florida, defined my life five years ago. I got the call that my dad had been in the motorcycle wreck, that that he was um, being airlifted to Erlanger Hospital in Chattanooga. And and we didn't even know if he was alive or dead for for several hours. Uh, That was a moment that changed our life, was it not? It's been five years, a five-year fight, and I believe we're moving in the right direction now. But how about other moments? Some of you did when the moment you said I do, did it change your life? I was in a time saver yesterday and I heard a guy go, yeah, I've been married 18 years and we've never had a fight. I turned around and I said, and you're lying. And he was like, I know I'm kidding. I was like, I know you're kidding. Because if you've been married a week, you've had a fight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got in a fight on the honeymoon. And the moment you said, I do, your life changed forever. There's some, how, about, how about your own birth? That changed some things, right? You don't remember it, but it changed everything. It was a moment. It changed everything. How about the birth of a child? Holy cow, it changes everything. It's a moment that changes everything. For some of us, it was a doctor's report. It changed everything. For some of us, it was a phone call. It changed everything. Moments can change everything. And there are times in our lives when, when, when we begin to define ourselves by those moments. I want to read you about somebody in the Bible who, who, who was struggling not being defined by a moment. This is, this is King David. Listen to Psalm 51. This is, King, this is the man after God's heart, right? Y'all remember that? The man after God's heart. Listen to his prayer in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak. Listen, you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach the wisdom in the inmost place. Listen, David is struggling with his identity. He was the man after God's heart, right? But this is coming after he had had an affair with Bathsheba. This is coming after an adulterous relationship. This is coming after he lost a son through disobedience. This is coming, this is coming after he got caught. It wasn't even like David fessed up. The prophet Nathan comes to him, calls him out on it. And then he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And he's trying not to let this moment define him. He's trying to find forgiveness. He's trying to escape this condemnation that he's walking in. 
The reality of it is many of us, like King David, are haunted by things day in and day out. And we think about our past and we think about the things we've done and we think about who people say we are. And it haunts us day after day. And so many times we struggle with our own identity because we forget who we are in Christ. And one moment, one snapshot, one photograph, one one time, or a handful of things can begin to define us and who we are. For some of you, it may have been, been a childhood of things. You may have had a parent that, that, that told you, like, you're never going to be anything. You may have had a parent who, who talked down to you. You may have had a parent who the only way they knew to try to get you to do what they wanted you to do was to belittle you and make you feel guilty. And I'll say this, parents, listen. If the only way we know how to discipline our children is by trying to give them a guilt trip and make them do what we want them to do rather than influencing their life, we suck as parents. We need to back up and rethink that. There's, listen, we ought to be building them up, not tearing them down. But some of you, your entire life was, was about, about you're not going to amount. There are things, listen, that you, you walk in condemnation because of things that are done, that were done. A moment, a time span, a time frame of your life. Some of you, listen, you, you haven't seen the success in life that you thought you would see. By the world's definition, maybe, maybe you don't feel like you measure up, guys. And some of us are constantly trying to do a little more and a little more and a little more to feel like we measure up. And the truth is, we're never going to measure up. And we begin to define ourselves by these moments. We begin to define ourselves by these things that have happened to us in our lives. And rather than defining ourselves by who God says we are. I want to talk about four moments today that that I believe have the potential to define us. Two of them are facts. Two of them uh, apply to, to just the truth that, 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 um, that God is who he says he is and that we are who we say we are. And two of them depend on where you're at. And the first one I want to talk to you about is a moment of sin. It's a moment of sin. What happened when sin entered the world? Anybody remember? Adam and Eve did what? They... They died. They, they died. Listen, and you're like, no, no, they, they ate the apple. They did not die. You seen them lately? Nobody's seen Adam and Eve. Why? They're dead. They are dead. Anybody else a little ticked off with Adam? Right? Like, why, was the, why did he let the, the, the serpent in there in the first place? He had dominion over everything. Kick his butt out. Some of the dads and fathers and husbands... We need to take that to heart. What are we letting in our house? We need to kick some of that stuff out. Listen, but when they took that, that, that fruit, that apple, that pomegranate, I don't know what it was, whatever it was, they ate it, and the Bible says that they died. But listen to this scripture. It's a real, real quick scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. 
It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. As for you, as for me, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. And the thing that we need to realize is that just as Adam and Eve died because of sin, you and I are dead because of sin. David even says it in Psalm 51. He says, listen, I was sinful from my birth. I was sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. Sin leads to death. It means we were born spiritually dead. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? All because of Adam. When I see him, if I see him in eternity, I'm going to kick him in the, right in a fig leaf. You know what I'm saying? So let him have it. Right in the fig leaf. I'm just... Bam. But we've been dead. We were born spiritually dead. But, but this is the thing. If there's one thing I think we miss as a church, as, that we miss as the body of Christ, that people miss in general, it is the fact that we were born dead because of sin. I don't think we understand the gravity and the weight of our sin. Listen, you don't even hardly hear it talked about, do you? Because it's the S word. We don't talk about sin. The problem with that, though, is if you remove sin from the gospel, there is no gospel. If you remove sin from the gospel, why do we need grace? We don't. And so sin is a reality that everybody in here is dealing with. And one of the things we need to realize about sin is its severity. Let me ask you, is death severe? Yeah, it's not a trick question. Death is pretty serious. Death is a pretty serious thing. And sin leads to death. So here we are, people, but we look at it as if it's not that big of a deal. We do. We, we do not understand that sin caused us to die. And that spiritually we are dead apart from Christ. And we, well, listen, the people who speak, the people who share, you and I, the body of Christ, who claim to know the truth, if we are not willing to tell people the truth about their sin, we're going to be held accountable for that one day. And it scares me to know that one day I will stand before a holy God and have to give account to the fact that I didn't tell you the truth. And what I'm telling you today is that apart from Christ, you are dead. Spiritually dead. We need to realize the severity of sin. We need to realize the scope of sin. The span. It affected everybody. It, absolutely everybody. You know, so far to date, 100% of everybody has died. I mean, like there's nobody who, who's lived beyond maybe what, in our modern time, maybe what, 120, 125, 130, something like that. There's nobody from the 1700s walking around. 100% of people die of physical death. In the same way, we're all born spiritually dead spiritually dead. Third thing we need to realize about sin is this. Listen, it's hopeless. You can't do anything about it. 
You can't do a thing about it. Listen, when you're dead, what can you do to help yourself? Nothing. Like you've never walked into a funeral home, walked up to the casket, casket, looked over, looked at the person, lied about how good they look, and they were like, could you help me out here? That would have freaked you out. Could you help me out? How about, if you'll pick that end up, I can get out of here. No, that never happens. Why? Because when you are dead, you can't help yourself. You don't even know you need help. You're, you're numb. You're, you don't even feel. We're the same way spiritually. Because of sin, we are born dead. And we have no hope in ourselves. So the first moment is sin. That one, that one kind of stinks, doesn't it? That's a bad one. But it's the truth. And you and I are stuck in our sin apart from Christ. Listen to this, the second moment. The second moment that, that is a fact that took place that, that uh, is a historical fact is the moment of the cross. It's the moment of the cross. Listen, I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 23. Beginning in verse 32. This is when Jesus is being crucified. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified. Um, there they crucified him, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and rulers, the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and he said, and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminals rebuked him. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. That, that word for sentence also means condemnation. Since you are under the same condemnation, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So there's, there's also this moment of the cross. And there's some things that we need to understand about the cross. We've, we've already recognized that apart from Christ, we're dead in sin. We were born dead, hopeless. But then we come to the cross. And there's some things that we see in this account where Jesus is here and, and he's being crucified with two criminals. And one of them is going, listen, listen, save yourself, do something. He's mocking. He's laughing. The other one goes, listen, don't you understand? There's some things you need to realize about him. And there's some things we need to realize in this account of the, of the cross and, and this part of the gospel story and the gospel message. And one of those is this, that when we look at the cross, we see God's justice and judgment on sin. We see God's justice and judgment on sin. That's what we see when Jesus was getting beaten, when he was put on the cross. It was God judging sin. 
And see, here's the thing I realize. Many times, and y'all listen, many times God's patience and his mercy become an anesthetic for our conscience. Many times God's patience and his mercy and his kindness and his tolerance become an anesthetic for our conscience. Because like Adam and Eve, we do something and immediately we, we, we live a few more years. We don't die. But then after a while, what begins to happen? Our life begins to take the wrong turn. We begin to go the wrong direction. See, listen, God is not overlooking our transgressions. God is just giving you an opportunity to come back to him. That's a good God. Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness, the loving kindness, the tender mercy, the, the, the tolerance, the patience of God that leads us to repentance. It means he gives us an opportunity. He's better than I am. I would have killed us all a long time ago. He's patient. He's tolerant. He, he's given us room, an opportunity to come back to him. And here's the crazy thing to think about with Jesus. At that moment of the cross, when they're driving nails through his hands and they're hanging him up on the cross and he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We need to realize that the weight of every sin ever, every sin ever committed was being placed upon his body. He bore our sin. He bore our transgressions. It was all being placed on him. Have you ever really thought about that? That God, as Romans 5, 8 says, that he who had no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. That ought to blow our minds. It gives me goosebumps right now to think that a perfect and holy God became sin. And see, we go, well, he became sin. He took my anger. No, he took all of them. Well, he became sin. I know I talk about people sometimes. Then hush. He took them all. And see, we don't even like to think about that because it somehow it almost seems like it, it makes God dirty. But he became dirty so you could become clean. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely incredible. And we think about those little things that were put on his body, you know, a, a little bit of greed, a little bit, you know, I drank a little too much and he put that on his body. But do you realize he took homosexuality in his body? My God. Do you realize he took adultery in his body? Do you realize your pornography addiction he took in his body? Your lust, your, your, your wrong thoughts, your impure motives, your pride, your greed, even your, your bigotry and your gossip. He took it in his body. That is absolutely amazing. That the one who was perfect and holy became sin. He bore it for us on a cross. And, and, and then he died on a cross. Listen, he, he died a death that for the Romans was a sign of, of a criminal. That's why he was mocked. He was spit upon. He was a criminal. And for Jews, it was a sign of being cursed. 
And he did that. He took that. He bore that for us. So we become blameless. So we become spotless. Because listen, remember, we're hopeless. We are hopeless human beings apart from Christ. So he became sin. The one who knew no sin. So that we could become the righteousness of God. The second thing we see is that the innocent was punished for the guilty. We see that, that listen, he, he didn't deserve it. The, the criminal even said that. He said, He's, he didn't do this. We're getting what our deeds are. He didn't do anything. He, he's perfect. He, he didn't sin. Even the criminal recognized that. But sometimes when we blow off the, the fact that we're sin and that sin has brought death and we don't really understand the gravity of the sin in our life, then, then we blow off the fact that what was innocent became guilty so that we could be innocent. Doesn't even make sense. But you know what? God doesn't make sense to us. But I know he's good. I know he's faithful. I know he's sovereign. And we see it on the cross when a plan that he had from the, before the foundations of the earth came into being. So he wasn't slow in punishing sin. It was just his timing. It was just his way so that you and I could be saved. And so we see that the innocent was punished for the guilty. We see that we see, listen, at the cross, we see what we deserve. And this is something that I've come to realize as I've been walking through this myself, as, as I've been, been, been applying God's word to overcome in my own life that I can't truly be set free from condemnation until I realize that I deserve to be condemned. We see what we deserve. We deserve the full wrath of God to be poured out on our life. We do. We deserve it. We deserve to be condemned. That's what our good deeds have earned us. And don't give me, I've been to church, I've been to... And do you really want to bring that excuse or that argument in front of a holy God who is perfect in every way? Well, I went to church. And see, here's the thing I know. Some people today, even on Labor Day weekend, you're here because you were born into cultural Christianity. But listen, being born into cultural Christianity doesn't make you a Christian. Being born again in Jesus Christ does. We got that messed up. We need to come to a place where we realize Jesus got what we deserve so that we wouldn't have to. He spared us from the wrath of God. Is it not crazy to think that God himself took his own wrath? That, that God took it. But that's God. So the way God worked it out so that you and I could be holy and blameless, that we could be set apart for the good work of Jesus. One of the things I do not want to have happen in this message is, listen, I don't want us to look at the cross and see it as a crutch. It's not something that we just look at and so we just always walk in these things that we, we struggle with. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation attacks the person, conviction attacks the sin. And the Bible is very clear that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But we need to understand God still disciplines his children. He is still working in you so that you can have worked out of you the righteousness that he's already given you in Christ. 
He loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Isn't that awesome that God wants to make us like himself? That is awesome. We get that opportunity. We need to realize Jesus took what we deserve. You ever, um, you're a little, I know what would happen with me a lot of times is we would be somewhere and I would be acting up. And so now I'm reaping, you know, you do reap what you sow. And so now my children do that too. And, um, and, and, and I'm acting up somewhere and my dad would go, listen, son, when we get home, it'll be bad news. It's going to be bad news. And, and, or worse, I'd be somewhere with my mom and she'd say, son, when we get home, I'm telling your dad. I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I, you know, just run out in front of a car. Just get it over with. And, and, and because I knew that I was done. But then some time would elapse. You know, we're in the only line at Walmart. And so time elapses. Only one that's open. And, and so time elapses. And we, we come into to, to the house. And, and there's this thing where you're like, maybe they forgot. Maybe they don't remember. My parents never forgot. They never did. Every time we'd always come around to finally, I got the spanking. Finally, I got the discipline. And I'm thinking maybe I'm off the hook. We need to understand that, listen, God is not weak. He's not forgetful. He's never forgotten anything. It's like he ties a string around his finger. He remembers our transgressions. He He just punished them on the cross. He didn't forget. He punished them. Listen, if God did not punish sin, then he's no longer just. He's no longer righteous because he didn't do the right thing. We'd all agree that when you break the law, you deserve to be punished. That's the right thing to do. But if God didn't punish sin, he's no longer righteous. He can't go against his character. He can't go against his nature. He can't go against himself. He had to punish sin. He just decided to do it on the cross instead of through you and I. The third one is this. The third moment. It's a moment of awakening. In high school and in college, I lived for the world and everything in it. I kept thinking I had to have something to complete me, not knowing that what I really needed to complete me was just waiting at the door. I went to the college Bible study, and I learned about the woman at the well story. I learned that my life was like a cup, but it had a hole in the bottom. I kept filling up with guys and parties and trying to belong, yet my cup had a hole and it just kept seeping out. All of those things were temporary, and they wouldn't fill me up. When I learned about Jesus' eternal living water, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew I was very interested and I wanted to learn more. I learned that His love would fill me up eternally and I wouldn't have to keep searching for something that already had it. Learning about that eternal water, God just totally transformed me. He pulled a 180 on me. I went from party girl to someone totally in love with Jesus. I just couldn't wait to learn more. The next guy I dated after I became a Christian was my future husband, Brian. He was so good and unlike anyone I'd ever dated before. I couldn't understand why someone like him would want anything to do with someone like me. Over a few months, he finally convinced me that my sins are as far away as the east is from the west, and that the old me died in the baptismal waters. My favorite verse became 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. I left my guilt and my old life behind me, and I truly convinced I was a new creation. But unfortunately, I carried some of the self-condemnation in other areas of my life. 
When we first became married, I wanted to be super wife. I wanted to have the perfectly decorated house and perfectly spotless. Well, when the kids came along, I gave up on the spotless part, but I still had even heavier expectations of being the perfect mom. I wanted to make sure they were well fed and well taken care of, and we did crafts, and I taught them the right things and not the wrong things, and all these expectations that nobody puts on myself except for me. I think the only time I finally realized this condemnation was only something I put on myself is when I take a step back and realize how huge our God is. When I think about the God who created the heavens, the stars, the moon, crazy animals, plants, so creative, and he still he chose to think of me. It's not like I was an afterthought, but someone he delighted in, someone he knit together in my mother's womb. When I think about him sitting at the right hand of God looking down and saying, you see that one right there? That's Katie. I made her and I delight in her. She's not perfect, but she's mine. The same God that made lightning and thunder made me. He didn't make me perfect. He made me perfectly imperfect. He delights in me, and I'm so thankful to have my God on my side. One of the things that she says in that that testimony is she says, He did a 180 on me. And I love that. I love that thought because for Katie, there was a moment when she went to a college Bible study and, and she hears the truth of God's word about a woman at the well who had a past, just like you and I have a past. But she heard the truth and she realized that God can offer me something that I can't get on my own. And she did a 180 and she began to follow God. And see, for some of us, that's what's happened is we have heard the voice of God and we have been awakened from spiritual death. We, we've been awakened from the death that, that we have because of sin and because of, of the, the fact that sin and death are attached. I want to read real quick. This is a, uh, man, this is such a popular uh, story. You probably sang a, a goofy little song about it. But I want to read this to you anyway. It's, it's out of Luke chapter 19. Um, and it's about a little man named Zacchaeus. Y'all remember that song? Zacchaeus was it? Yeah, y'all remember that, don't you? Um, and, and, and this is what it says, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. I mean, like he was a thief and a robber. Right? He took more than what was his. He stole from people. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. Okay? A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, can I say, listen... Don't ever let your limitations keep you from coming to Christ. I just say it real quick. Like, like that just jumped in my heart. Don't let your limitations keep you from coming to Christ. See, people can hinder you from coming to him. People can try to get in the way of your relationship with God. But nobody can stop him from coming to you. As we're about to read. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. To see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And listen, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I, have, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save 
what was lost. Isn't that an awesome story? But here's the thing that I realize about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had lived his entire life for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had lived his entire life spiritually dead. Dead as, dead as he could be. Spiritually dead and living for himself. But one day he heard about this, this crazy radical rabbi who was coming through town. And he said, I want to see him. And he couldn't see because he was so short. He goes and he climbs up a tree so that he could see Jesus come by. When Jesus walks by, Jesus looks up at him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down to that tree at once. He's like, get your tail down here right now, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house. I'm going to stay with you. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus hurried down the tree and he received him joyfully. See, I recognize some things that happen in the scripture. At the moment that Jesus spoke, something in Zacchaeus woke up. The voice of God spoke and something in Zacchaeus began to be stirred. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus hurried down the tree and he received him joyfully. I believe this with all my heart, that when God speaks to our spirit, something inside of us is awakened. That thing that that is dead, that's been dead from the moment of our birth, when God speaks, something is awakened. And God takes that which was dead, which was hopeless, which could do nothing for itself, and he awakens it, and he brings it to life. And there's a couple of things that we see. We see that Zacchaeus came to faith. He came to faith. He he recognized who Jesus is. It's like the light came on. It's like for the first time his eyes were open. And he realized, I need that. I need him. If I'm going to actually live, I've got to have Jesus. And he received him joyfully. Zacchaeus didn't do anything. He was up in the tree. But God came and spoke to him. And he came to faith. The second thing we see is that he came to a place of repentance. And listen, we've gotten repentance so backwards for so long. We've gotten repentance so backwards for so long. Repentance is not an apology. Like the reason so many of us spend so much time asking God to forgive the same thing is because we've never repented. Repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. It's a change of action. It's a change of life. And that's what we see with Zacchaeus. He didn't just say, God, I'm sorry. He said, listen, I've given back the stuff I've taken. I've given half of everything I have to the poor and I'll pay back four times what I took from other people. And there's a place where we've got to come to where when we are spiritually awakened and we come to faith, repentance is the natural action. Faith and repentance are not separated. They come as a package. You don't come to faith without repentance and you don't come to repentance without faith. But then the awesome thing about it is Jesus looks at him and, and, and he knows, Jesus knows people are going to mock him. People, he knows people are going to be mocking Zacchaeus and, and himself. But he says, today, salvation has come to this house. He was awakened. He came alive. 
it wasn't something that he, he did. It was something he became. It was a change of heart. It was a change of, of, of mind. It was, I'm going a different direction. Come on, you've been lost before. And, and there's always that thing of like, I wonder if I'm lost. But then you realize like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm lost. For guys, it takes us a lot longer to realize we're lost. But then to get back to where you're supposed to be, you've got to turn around. And when God speaks to our heart, we realize we are lost. We realize we need help. And apart from Christ, apart from God, we are hopeless. But aren't you thankful today for a God who gives us hope? Aren't you thankful today for a God who doesn't just step on us and rub our our face in the dirt and in the mud, but he picks us up and he cleans us off? That he doesn't just give us a list of rules to obey, but he gives us a new heart. And see, the the two moments here, one one and two, sin is a fact. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short, and because of that, we are all spiritually dead apart from Christ. Number two is a fact. It is a historical fact. Jesus was crucified and he took what we deserve. But number three is a question mark. Because the question is this, have you been awakened by the voice of God? Or are we just spinning our wheels playing some cultural Christian game? Have you been made alive? Have you been born again by the spirit of God with a new heart? A new life. Because if we're going to escape condemnation, we've got to be awakened. We've got to listen to me. Listen very clearly. Because I don't know what you've heard in the past. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. But this is what I do know. Apart from Christ, there is no escape from condemnation. If you're not in Christ, guess what? Still condemned. If you feel like you're walking in condemnation and you don't know Jesus, there's a good reason for that. You are. But when we come to know Christ, remember Romans 8, 1? There's no condemnation. What? In Christ. But if we're not, we're still in it. But listen, if we are in Christ, we got something to celebrate. There's no condemnation. There's absolutely no condemnation in Christ. And so we come to this place where at the moment of awakening, we can also enter into the last moment, which is the moment of freedom. A moment of freedom that when we are in Christ turns into a lifetime of freedom. Listen to this verse, John Chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Jesus is on the cross. It says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want to tell you today, listen, I know a lot of this stuff has been been a lot of 
uh, theory. It's been a lot of, 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 of theology. It's been a lot of, of what we believe, right? That we are sinful, that Jesus paid the price on the cross, and that we have to be awakened by God. But here's the application, guys. And it's right here in John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. It was over. It's done. Complete. 100%. Everything was done. Jesus did not die because he was tired. Jesus did not die because they took his life. He says in John chapter 10 that nobody can take his life. He lays his life down. He didn't die because he he just got bored. I was like, I'm going back to heaven. There's a lot more to do there. He died because it was finished. Everything that he had come to do was finished. He came so that he could reconcile us back to God. It's finished. And see, here's the thing, guys. You've, you've heard that. You, you, you've heard that you've been forgiven. But forgiveness doesn't mean anything until you realize that you were dead in sin. But when you realize that what you deserve is the cross, what you deserve is God's wrath, what you deserve is eternal punishment, but by his grace and mercy, he has awakened you to who he is. And and in faith, you put your trust. In repentance, you turn to God and you come to him and you begin to live for him. Then you can take heart that it is finished. It is done. Your sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. And you can celebrate the fact that there is no condemnation. But you know, the reason I believe that our worship is weak and the reason I believe there's no urgency to tell people about Christ and the cross and God's grace and his love for us is because we really haven't settled on the fact that we have been brought from God's wrath through his mercy. Today I ask you, have you been awakened? Have you been awakened by God's voice? Have you become alive because of what Jesus did for you? And see, here's the thing I know. I know this. For those of you who maybe today you you, you finally say, I need Jesus. I realize I'm like Zacchaeus. God is speaking to my heart and and I know that I need Christ. You know what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to feel that condemnation trying to come back. There, There are people in here right now who you're in fellowship with Christ, but you're listening to the wrong Voices. You're listening to other people. You're let, some of you are letting a guy determine your worth. How jacked up is that? When you've got a God that loves you. Some of us are determining our worth based off of how much money we have in the bank. How big our house is. How big our car is. How good our kids are at sports. That's messed up. When we can listen to the voice of God who tells us we are acceptable, who tells us we are good, who tells us we are clean, that we have been made whole, that we have been made pure, and he begins to work that out of us. I'm asking you, if you're in Christ, what voice are you listening to? Some of you right here right now, you can't hear God's voice because you're estranged from God. You're not divorced from him. Listen, you, you come to Christ, it's what he does. It's not what you do. You can't break that off. He's not going to break that off. 
You're not divorced from him. You're just estranged. And you're estranged because you built a wall of sin between you and God. And there's no communication. How can you hear the voice of God when you can't even, you're not even in fellowship with him? It's not your salvation maybe that's in danger, but it's your fellowship. You've, you've broken off fellowship from God. Moved away from God. The thing that I would tell you today is this. That wherever you're at in that, it's finished. And today you can walk in freedom because of what Jesus did on the cross. Condemnation exists simply because we can't accept the finality of what Jesus did for us. That he got what we deserve. And listen, listen, this is what's going to happen. There's going to continually be things thrown up at you to make you begin to doubt, to make you begin to wonder, to make you begin to think, well, I'm not that good. I'm not acceptable. I'm not this. I'm not that. Listen to me, guys. It's finished. And when Satan tries to throw something up at you to make you trip, to make you fall back into condemnation, to make you think I'm not good enough, to make you think I'll never have a guy like that, to make you think my life's never going to amount to anything, to make you think whatever it is you struggle with, then you tell him it is finished. When people try to mock you, make fun of you, try to laugh at you because they say, listen, how all of a sudden do you think you're this high and mighty Christian that's so goody, goody, goody? You just say it's finished. But we know what you did. We know who you were. I know, but it's finished. He set me free on the cross. It's finished. It's done. It's over. I'm a new creature in Christ. God has set me free. One of the things that was really hard this week, you know, going through the the amputation with my dad, it was really, really difficult Um, But you know, the one thing I can say is that we really saw and we really felt the grace and mercy of God uh, all throughout the week, man. Those of you who prayed, thank you so much because we we felt it. That's what got us through on Tuesday is is those prayers. People were texting, emailing, telling us, you know, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. It was so awesome to know that we were being prayed for. And I can tell you that my dad's pain was excruciating on Tuesday. But but it it was also an experience like we've never been through that. Never walked through it, and it was really difficult because it's such a final step, right? And I remember after the surgery, we were in the consultation room. The doctor comes in, and he says like five words and walks out, and everything went good. Thanks, bye. You know, I mean, that was kind of it. He comes in, and not much said, and my mom's sitting there. She's like, you know, last night I'm sitting there, and I just kept looking, and I'm like, you know, tomorrow he's not, I don't have a leg. We're looking at you know, you're just like, man, and, and even now when I walk into the room with my dad, it's just kind of different. I mean, it's, it's gone. And, and the most difficult thing about that whole process was the finality of it. It was one of those things that you can't, you can't go back and redo it. Once you make the decision, it's done, it's over, it's complete. And we're sitting in that consultation room and the doctor comes in and, and he, he tells us a few things and walks out. I mean, very short. And my mom's sitting there and she starts kind of getting teary. And it's kind of one of those times you can feel like the emotions kind of like, you know, because it's just, 
you're just thinking about everything. And my mom is sitting there and she says, you know, last night I kept looking at it, I kept just wanting to touch his leg because I knew it was going to be gone. I knew it was going to be over. And, and, you know, it was going to be something so different in our life. And, and finally, I don't, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know what? There's something that just stirred in my heart. And I stood up and I said, listen, it's a leg. He's alive. It's over. Let's move on. And we got up and walked out. Because I view it as a new start. I view it as a new beginning. And my prayer for you today is, listen, don't, you don't run this race with Christ with this weight around your neck and shackles around your feet. He died to set you free. And it's final. It's done. Now move on. Run towards Christ. Run towards the cross. Run in his mercy and his grace. Recognize his love for you. Realize his patience with you, man. The fact that he hasn't already just made us a dust pile is evidence of his love and his mercy. And it's finished. It's done. Over. We've won the victory. We are triumphant. Jesus cried, it is finished. A cry of victory. That's yours and that's mine right now today. Listen, I, I'm gonna wrap it up. We gotta get out of here. But the thing I want to tell you is if today you were stirred, today, maybe God for the first time spoke to your heart. We, we do this every week, but you can go right out there and you can have somebody pray with you because you met him today. He spoke to your heart and you know you were awakened there'll be people right outside these doors to my left, your right to pray with you and welcome you into the body of Christ and into the life of Jesus some of you today, you know you've been estranged, you've been walking away, you, you, there's a wall between you and God because of something that, that, that you know you're convicted of and it needs to go and you need to come up here and say it's finished, I'm done, I'm walking away my mind's made up opportunity I'm going to pray we're going to sing a song and then you guys get out of here I'm going to ask you as we sing to really search your heart and let God search your heart what's God speaking to you today is it salvation then go out there and let him pray for you let him celebrate with you is it to live in the freedom of Christ then come down here Get with God. Get on your face and let God begin to love on you and wrap his arms around you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Only mercy and forgiveness. You can find that right here. God's God's grace is greater than our sin. Let's pray.